Welcome back to the War Chant Kingdom. Another week in the books. The Chiefs end up with another victory. 27-17 this last week. Um, the game for a while was was pretty rough. Uh, lots of turnovers. Lots of things happened during the game. But having said that, uh, just taking a kind of a quick look down the list, I have the 22 plus 2 new choice uh, tailgate crew on the line. How's it going, fellas? Going great. How are you? Doing wonderful. Last week, Ronnie, Randy, and myself were the only three that was, were on, and we all ended up uh, kind of throwing out our predictions. Ronnie had a 31-17. Randy had 38-14, to and I had 35-21. to We all were kind of around the same uh, difference in, in what we thought the scoring would be. Ended up only being a 10-point game. Should have probably been a lot more. Uh, so let's start out, fellas, talking about some of the things that that wasn't so good in the game. And the first thing I want to talk about, because I know it's been kind of hitting the national a little bit and a lot with the local guys, is the hit on Juju. When you saw that hit on Juju, uh, take you know your Chiefs glasses off and tell me whether or not you thought that that hit was something that should have been allowed by the rule or should not have been. Uh, well, uh, defensive receiver. But when it comes to the Chiefs, so though, better remember, we don't ever get calls going our way very often. But I, I feel like it was targeting. Uh, that that and the scanning call, I'm like, no call, uh, both of them. Like, I mean, officials have to do better. They have to be more consistent. Um, it's been all over the league this year this the whole league uh the calls are not consistent they need to eliminate some of their gray area at least throw the flag because then you got a chance to pick it up you know after review on fast way they did throw the flag on juju but they picked well juju he did hang hell with the helmet face mask a face mask leg with the shoulder bore uh so to me, it was a personal foul. Uh, it, it locked his hands up. That's how hard the hit was. But just strictly two plays later, uh, not as much face mask to face mask, helmet to helmet contact. Uh, MVS was hit. No flag was thrown. And on the Sunday night game, uh, the, re the uh, guy was actually pushed. Herbert was pushed into the guy was coming down to tackle Herbert. Herbert lowered his head down, which caused help, and the guy was ejected. Uh, the consistency, as Lindley said, is, is not standards across the stadium. And uh, and you saw last night in that game uh, that where uh, the quarterback gave himself up and the guy actually held up on Hinky, Hinky, whatever his name is, for Washington. Held up, and they called a personal foul. I mean, the officials are not consistent on those uh, those kind of plays. So that, that's my only complaint is that yeah, we're going to lose Juju a week, uh, maybe two. I mean, it did lock his hands up, so we'll see what happens. And I would most definitely agree with you. In my opinion, uh, you know, first of all, he wasn't looking at the defender, so you could take the role that it was a defenseless receiver because he he didn't even see it coming. Again, I agree with you. They showed it repeatedly in the stadium. Don't know how much people got to see at home, but it obviously was a helmet-to-helmet -helmet hit. But 
as you guys said, the inconsistency and the inconsistency even I think goes beyond just stadium to stadium and those type of hits. Think about the inconsistency and the difference between the way they protect a quarterback and the way they're not protecting some of the other guys. That is correct. You know, think about think about how simple it was when when Chris Jones took down Derek Carr and and very well could have hurt him if he wanted to and got a a, a penalty on that one and even Carr laughed it off. Chris Jones had the ball. You know. So so I mean it's 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 just crazy how much and and don't get me wrong I'm not saying that we shouldn't coddle the quarterbacks in those types of situations and stuff. I mean, I get it. They're wanting to try to extend their careers, make it more exciting, keep the, you know, the guy's longevity there. I get that. But how can you be that blatant with a quarterback, but then allow things like, you know, and to be honest with you, what made me more mad about the Juju hit was not necessarily just the hit, but the fat fact that the flag was thrown and they picked it back up. Yeah. I, I believe they need to get New York involved more. You know what I mean? Especially on calls like that. Yeah, because I don't think you see an overwhelming number of those type of, of things that happen throughout a game that, a, you know, a 10-second look at it by New York would, you know, either tell them, yes, you know, we agree with you, it, we, you know, because they can slow it down and take a look at everything else, or no, we don't, and pick it up. Like the Chris Jones rough in the passer call, those aren't reviewable by New York. For some reason, right? He is the only player in history to be holding a ball and get a rough in the passer call. Just crazy. It is absolutely crazy. So, uh, <laughs> so from the hit, let's move on to the very beginning of the game. And I'm sure you guys remember this well. We flubbed up the the coin toss, first of all. Um, Andy Reid even mentioned that in his press conference that, you know, we won the coin toss. We, we should have deferred. And somebody got confused or said the wrong thing or whatever. I and I actually thought the referee said it wrong, but we did it right because Butker had actually come out and started swinging his leg, and a few minutes later they ran him off. And here come, you know, the Jacksonville kicking team. And I was like, well, they they are kicking off to us. And I thought that was strange. What did you I'll guys think when that time. happened? Because I mean, I think most of us know that Andy Reid likes the defer side of it. What did you think when that happened? What the hell happened? <laughs> I can't even say anything because we know we always defer, except in overtime, and then the onside kicks. And and that's where I was going with it. With it next was you know that what to me that was a wonderful call by Peterson uh, to to say hey you know what very first kick we got let's let's do this. I think he saw in the film and I had seen this a couple times myself where the Chiefs players start turning and running before the kicker gets all the way up to the ball. And by the time they realize what was going on, that play was, you know, recovered by Jacksonville. How did that make you guys feel when you saw that? Well, for, for me personally, uh, who goes to all the, all the games, the uh, PA system in Arrowhead, and I did a survey today with Van First, that the PA is having issues inside of Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, we don't get a clear, because of the crowd noise going on, we don't get a clear crowd shot of what the officials are saying. Uh, you know, I made it perfectly clear to them that that uh, the boards are wrong. They're, 
they're just not keeping up with what the fans expect inside Arrowhead and to have sound system problems. Sound system problems is an issue. So, and so I personally didn't hear the coin toss correctly because I made a comment to Mario, Mr. DeAven, that said, I can't believe that, you know, we won the coin toss, but we we, we didn't defer into this. Like, what the hell? So that's my thoughts. That's the only time I know in the history of Andy Reid being a head coach that he didn't defer. <laughs> Well, and I thought maybe there might have been a reason behind it that maybe he would have brought out, but I just thought this is odd and it doesn't seem like something he would do because basically to Andy, if you defer, you get an extra possession. You know, if you're able to hold it at the end of the end of the half and then you turn around and you get the possession beginning the second half, it's like gaining another possession. And so he always likes to do that. And it just seemed odd. Yeah. You know, it's a conspiracy theory that the NFL wants to see the Chiefs lose because they're too consistent. So every chance they get, they're going to try everything they can to make us lose. Or they need new superstars or new teams to be up there because they don't want another Tom Brady situation going on. Well, they certainly want to keep it as as even killed as possible because that's going to drive more fans to your you know to to your brand, and you're going to end up making more money because more teams are going to have an opportunity to win. So. I mean, I, I get it, you know, but sometimes it's blatant, and I think we saw it in the last several games just, just on penalty calls. I mean, some of the pen, penalty calls are outrageous. Either the one, like when they pick the one up from Juju or the things that they're calling just seem to try to keep the game close, it just feels like to me. You know, they do that because it goes all the way back to when we played Tom Brady and Chris Jones slapped him on the chest and it was wrecking the pass call. But even on the national media, they, they brought it up uh, on the NFL Network. They were talking about how the Chiefs are getting more calls on them than most teams. And they were talking about uh, how the MVP card is going and how they expect more from Patrick Mahomes. They expect Patrick Mahomes to beat previous Patrick Mahomes to put him in the running for the MVP. Yep. Like he's not playing against Josh Allen or Carson Wentz or Hurts, Jalen Hurts or whatever. He's playing against previous Mahomes to try to get the MVP. You know, and it is kind of funny, fellas, because I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but he is actually on pace to eclipse his his record of yardage in a year and his touchdown also. Right. Well, I don't think that's going to happen Sunday, though. They will be lucky to get 300 yards. It's a divisional game. They're, they're all tough. Uh, it's definitely going to be a tough game. So to finish off the negative side of things, we ended up with, I think it was three turnovers, if I remember correctly. I actually say four because I consider the onside kick kind of a turnover. I mean, it's a change of possession. So, right. you know, you, you can look at it any way you want, and it's technicality. But, you know, some of the things we're still doing kind of, makes me wonder like why are we trying to pick a ball up at the two yard line and return it and you know touching balls and i mean it just it seems weird i'll explain that, I'll explain that to you <laughs> we have like we have like 10 rookie starters yeah but you but you would think at this level these some of this stuff is is things that you learn before you get to college i mean high school kids know not to pick the ball up at the two yard line and try to run with it i mean that's not true if you ever met dante hall 
from Eric Vanover back in the Marty Schoenheimer days. It didn't matter where that ball was, they, they caught the ball. They all caught that ball on where they had seven clips, and he ran it back to Denver 100,000 yards and scored a touchdown. I mean, seriously, you know, the problem with us, we can't fair catch. Well, that was Marty Ball. That was a different scenario. I was going to say, you're talking about a, a team back then that struggled to score points, so I could see it from a team like – even no, let's, let's take the – Let's take the Titans, for example. Okay, the Titans are kind of the old Chiefs. They're, they're the smash it down your throat, play some defense, try to get a turnover or whatever. So, you know, those are, are – I can see them trying to do it in those situations. We don't need to do that. We've got – an offense that can move the ball down the field, even after three turnovers and still score 27 points. Hey, the reason why they catch it at the two-yard line because if they let it bounce, it may not go into the end zone. But it's okay. We can go 95 yards. But here's the problem. We can't get a yard. Nowhere. We can't get a fourth and one, third and one. we got to throw the ball to get it. Yep. So don't – Dog on Marty because you're getting all timers, man. Oh, I, I actually to be honest with you, Marty was one of my favorite coaches because even though people didn't like it, I knew there was a consistency, just like with Andy Reid and actually Dick Vermeil. They were all very consistent guys. You knew what they were gonna do. I didn't care for the run for four yards and then, you know, it was run to the right, run to the left, run to the middle and punt was the, was the running joke when Marty was here, but he was consistently was good at it. I yeah. think Marty only had seven plays. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, Dick Bill and Marty and Romeo Pinnell and all that, we either had a good offense or a good defense. We never had both, but now we have both. And I would definitely agree with that. I like how, you know, just going to the defensive side of the ball, I like how our defense is playing right now. We've played some good teams. They've done fairly well. You know, I'm eager to see what happens when we meet a little bit higher-powered offense. And, and actually, this weekend it could be that. I don't know if you guys heard or not today. They're talking about the po possibility of Williams returning and Allen returning this week for the Chargers. So, how do you guys think we stack up defensively against an offense like that if those two guys return? I think we're okay. Did you, Lindley? I, I I was just looking up what our defensive rankings were. Um, it's we we've been doing so much better than in the past, man. It's crazy. We're stopping the run. So our defense is ranked number 18 right now. Which is, you know, almost right at the middle of the pack. That's right where we want to be, that or higher. And, you know, the last several years, it ain't been that high. I can tell you that. Not worried about Keenan Allen. Mike Williams has always killed the Chiefs. Yep, and and but, I would agree with that. But don't, just because they're practicing this one, don't mean they're going to be active. I mean, seriously, I'm, until they're out there on the field and, and – uh, you know, we don't know what to do with, with uh, L.A. Chargers because they always play us good. It's, it's like the Titans play us good. So we have to go to overtime to beat them last year in L.A. But, look, they barely – San Francisco barely beat them. I mean, we stomped San Francisco. Come on. So yeah. we, need to stop, we, we need to start stomping people. 
And I think, to be honest with you, and and this comes up, I think we brought it up a couple times. It actually comes down to matchups on a lot of these games. And and of course, the AFC West has they've tried to build their teams to stop us on offense, and so far. There's been a couple teams that could slow us down on occasion, but they haven't been able to just put, you know, the pedal to the metal. This really would separate the Chiefs in the AFC West and pretty much, uh, uh, you know, guaranteed that we're going to win the AFC West if we win this game. Well, this week. No, if we beat the Chargers, the Chiefs win the AFC West. No, we do not. That's what they said on. They did not. They're three games behind us. Yeah. We got to almost lose everyone in our division. Yeah. That ain't going to happen. So we do not think they fight the AFC West. But if we do, we will have a strong record on the most divisional being the most divisional champions. You know, what is that seven, eight in a row now? It'd be ten, won't it? Ten, ten. That's like ten. And what do you think, well, I mean, I, I think myself, I'm not concerned about the Chargers, to be honest with you. But like you guys said, I I believe they'll play us close. I, I You know, you've heard from me. I've said it several times. I think they've got some of the most talented players in the league, even in backup positions. But, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that you can play together. And I think an example of how bad the coaching is in some of these teams actually reared its ugly head against San Francisco for them. I mean, here, I don't know if you guys heard this or not, but he, you know, the the Chargers uh, coach came out and said that that was one of the best play uh, game plans he'd ever put together, and he lost. Yeah, yeah. So well, <laughs> the, the thing I feel right now about the Chiefs are is like every chance we have to get momentum, every chance we have a really good play to keep on going, they flag us. Defense or offense, there's always a flag on momentum for us. But I still think that they're trying to hold us back here to keep it close. Well, and I'm eager to see how our offense looks coming up this week, guys, because, you know, as as you guys mentioned, Juju's probably out this week, and, and if not, maybe a couple weeks on this. So that puts another receiver out. Does McCole Hardman come back? Is he injured enough he can't, you know? Questionable. You know, so what, what role does that all of a sudden, you know, put Tooney in? And, you know, now the uh, guys. Tooney is doing step up, dude. He was looking phenomenal last week. I mean, I've seen a lot of wide receivers come through Kansas City, and I haven't seen anybody who, to me, comes in and, you know, through part of a season and, uh, and has electrified the offensive side the way he did. He actually said in a press conference that this, this team already has made him feel more part of the team than any team he's ever played for. And exactly because, you know, Ken Lee caught his first touchdown. I mean, seriously. And I don't know if you guys actually heard this or not. I could hear it from my seat. He was hollering at Mahomes because there was nobody around him. Yeah, Mahomes said that. Yeah, he was hollering at him. Yeah, he was hollering and waving at him and everything else. And finally, Mahomes saw him, tossed the ball over there. And then, of course, you, you saw his little skip in the end zone. And I thought that was kind of funny. But, you know, the, the well, guy's definitely electric. Around. He didn't want to step out of bounds, and he wanted a touchdown. Now you see his face in the locker room, man. They they've made a bunch of memes about it. Who his favorite player was? So uh, some exciting things that happened this last week. One of the things we really need to get to and make sure that we bring up. Carlos Dunlap, 100 sacks. He joined the 100 sack club. Only 41 players have ever reached that milestone. What did you guys think of that, and how happy are you for Dunlap? 
we shouldn't be keeping track of tailgates because I've done more than a hundred with Lindley's help here recently. Done more than a hundred tailgates. <laughs> I don't have no record. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I'm on record for being, you know, getting handcuffed once in a while like Lindley. Not really. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I'm pretty good. That's why he came here. He wanted to get that that hundred sack. But I think he's okay. He's got a. But he called off to get his first sack. But he hasn't got a sack yet. But he's leading the he league. Sack. Yeah. He didn't take the league in pressure, though. Yeah, and and I'll be honest with you, I don't know that I really miss Frank Clark. I, I mean, you guys could say if you did or not. I don't think that he was a big loss for me. I mean, I thought Dunlap played very well in his spot. I think Dunlap did too. I, I but I also know, even though Frank Clark hasn't put up the numbers that he did previous years, he's still making a big impact that's not being called out. You know what I mean? With the rookies too. Which I'm glad he is. And, and I'm not trying to say he's a bad ball player by any means. I'm just saying that I feel like, you know, the way our team is going, we have backups that can step in and play well. Look at Wiley. I mean, Wiley goes out, and, and I can't ever say the, the other guy's name that came in. But he, so, so, so he comes in and covers for Wiley for pretty much most of the game. And I don't remember looking and thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, the guy can't stop, you know, anybody on the right side because I don't remember anybody really getting in there. I mean, there were some slips, but not many. I mean, he he was he was pretty consistent. He held his own. I was on time, Chauncey. What's that? I was looking on time. We got about eight minutes here before we need okay, to take a break. Okay, so on the way home. But I thought after you this comment, I have something important too. Okay, on the way home, uh, the radio flipped over, and we were listening to the Bills game, and it sounded like the Bills were going to come back and 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 win the game. Uh, and then next thing you know, the Vikings tied it. The Bills they took the lead. The Bills dro- drove down, kicked the field goal, tied it up, went into overtime. Uh, the Vikings drove down, kicked a field goal, and and I saw most of people. We were stuck in traffic at this time. I'm looking around. I see most everybody who's listening to the game, and they're like, uh, you know, you can just see the look like, oh, here here we go. The Bills are going to turn around and win. And uh, lo and behold, Josh Allen throws a interception, his fourth red zone interception in the last two games to lose the game, and they actually drop from the number one seed down to the sixth seed currently. So right now, the standings after the loss puts the Chiefs at one, uh, Dolphins at two, Titans and and Ravens three and four, the Jets, um, and then, of course, the Bills following that. So quite a turn of events over the weekend uh, and obviously putting the Chiefs right back where they are. How do you guys feel about where we're staying right now? Remember the fumble on the one-yard line, too, for the Bills. Remember? Josh Allen fumbled on the one-yard line. Yep. I do. From the quarterback. I, I think Josh Allen came out strong in the beginning of the season, but now he's just like last year. He's losing. He's losing his momentum. Like you know, he's getting frustrated. He's getting beat up. I like the They're the new Arizona Cardinals right now. Well, and to be honest with you guys, this isn't any different than last year. Once they get into that position and the pressure gets on them, they cannot withstand that pressure. 
Remember uh, they lost five games in a row last year. Exactly. That's what my point was is they, they took that number one spot and then they lost five games in a row and the pressure got to them. Uh, it's going to get to them again. I mean, obviously we saw the loss this week. You know, I, how can you fumble the ball on the one yard line when you're Josh Allen or, you know, but, but he did. And, you know, lo and behold, here we are again, the top of the, you know, top of the mountain here. And if the chiefs continue doing what they're doing, obviously we'd be the number one seed and hopefully, you know, hosting our next division crown again. Uh, what did they call that, Lily, this year? Arrowhead Invitational. Yeah, Arrowhead. This would be the Arrowhead Invitational. So, Randy, you said you had something you wanted to bring up here. I'm going to go ahead and let you have we got about five minutes before I we have did. to take a break. I know. So, I want to talk about tailgate injuries. Uh, Lily virus is suffering from a tailgate injury of plantar fasciitis. And so, you know, we've got to give it up to that guy for making his rounds around Arrowhead to make everybody's day happy and loved because everybody wants to see that guy. He doesn't always make it on national TV. So uh, let me talk about your injury. I have a plantar fasciitis, man. It's killing me. I had to go down to the truck after halftime. I couldn't take it no more. Oh, man. Uh, I got I got an appointment to go get a shot in my heel to try to of uh, one of those steroid shots to try to curb some of that pain um kevin uh last year he a guy came up to him and said you remember me he's like no i don't remember he's like you yes. took a picture of my kid yes in a wheelchair by the elevator kevin dehaven is mario right so kevin actually went down to the lower level, because that's where he has to go sometimes to get the beverage, which is Coke, to go down there. And while I was down there, this is what happened down there. Go ahead, Lily. He took a picture with this kid that was in a wheelchair, and it made that kid's day, right? Uh, the guy, Kevin's like, oh, yeah, now I remember. He said, well, my son, that you made my son's, it was the best time he ever had. He blew up that picture, had it put on his wall of you and him. And his son passed away a few weeks ago, and he was telling Kevin that Kevin, you know, gave him one of the happiest moments of his life. The pictures they took her in his eulogy at the funeral. So that's just a testament to the things that you guys and your tailgate does. The the fact that you guys dress up, make people's day, take pictures with them, walk around, hang out with other people. Uh, that is just one example of why I would say that, you know, at Arrowhead Stadium, there's no better tailgate than than your tailgate. Um, we've I've started coming last year and, and, you know, this year completely. And it's we have fun every week. We always have fun with people. We enjoy people. We like taking pictures. We like talking to people we like walking up and down uh, the row and and talking to different people. So, you know, thanks to John Schoep introducing us. Shout out to John. Yeah. John Schoep, buddy, you know, I appreciate you, man. I know you're listening. So, you know, thanks for, for putting us all together, but you know, th that's what's what I love about this group is it's not just at the games. I mean, we do things in the, you know, in the off season for people. Um, we get into chili cook-offs. We do, just so many different things and, and enjoy doing it and have fun doing it and try to, you know, do our part to, you know, to create a great atmosphere. And that's just one example of here's a, a young boy who, 
everybody probably walks by and dismisses. And yet Kevin takes his time out to take a picture with him. And it ends up being one of the highlights of that kid's life. It's just a phenomenal thing. Yeah. Community unity, man. That's our motto. Well, you know, we do have a early next year. We've got a charity event coming up. Chaunty. Well, tell us a little bit about it, Ronnie. It's a drag show. <laughs> so you're in it this year. So, uh, yeah, so I'll be taking pictures for you of, of you guys. Yeah, on, you already got the costume. <laughs> you're announcing live. <laughs> so. Have you seen Chauncey? You wouldn't even look good as a girl. Uh, I, don't, I don't look good now. I'm trying to look like a girl. <laughs> it's all good. So, uh, yeah, so we're all ready for uh, this weekend. Um, we're going to dive down Sunday night game. We're good to go. Uh, take the week off. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I haven't even seen the weather forecast for the Rams game yet. So 27-20 is the score, by the way. All right. That's what I was going to say. We're going to do that. 27-20, you said, Ronnie? 27-20. Okay. I'm going 29-21. That'll cover the 50-point over-under and the six-and-a-half uh, spread. Okay. Randy? Although I don't want to rely on Butker because it's still hurt. I'm going 33-30. 33-30. And I'm going to go a little bit lower. The Chiefs have been scoring a little bit less, so this this will help them score more. I'm going to say 28-14. to 14. You know, the Chiefs score over 33 points a game on the road. Only 24 at home. Well, hopefully, hopefully they score about 40 points now that I picked them at 28. That is my lowest pick of the year. But we remember what happened the last Chargers game. All of us bad. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll be good. And I think we have a good one coming guys again. You know, I, I don't know if I tell you this enough. I sure appreciate your time coming on, hanging out with me here on the war chant kingdom. Uh, you know, it's, it's always fun. Well, we appreciate you bringing some of your friends to our tailgate, too. Anytime, man. Anytime. I so. know your friends have a great time, don't they? Always. Finding the right home can be a very difficult process. No matter what type of home you're looking for, Derek Cassidy with Heritage House Realty can assist you with all your home needs, whether you're in the Kirksville or the northeastern Missouri area. Derek's experience and guidance can help you find the right home no matter which market you're looking in. He is qualified to assist you to buy or sell your home quickly and at the right price. If you're ready to buy or sell today, contact Derek at 660-342-5080 or stop by the real estate office at 2805 North Baltimore and Kirksville, Missouri. To see the current listings, check out www.kirksvillerealestate.com. Anyone can sell you a house, but Derek will sell you your forever home. Call him today at 660-342-5080 or stop by the real estate office at 2805 North Baltimore, and Kirksville, Missouri. Heritage House Realty, a better way to buy and sell real estate. Welcome back to the War Chant Kingdom. 
Again, we talked just a little bit ago to the 22 plus two crew. They uh, had a lot of insight on the upcoming game, what happened in the last game. Right now, though, I'm bringing in a guest of mine, and this is going to be a special spot for us. This is going to be called the Heritage House Realty Spot. And on this spot, I have a sports expert by the name of Mason, who is going to be coming in and talking a little bit. Mason, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. All right, Mason. So we've talked a little bit off air, trying to figure out some of the different things that we wanted to discuss. And one of the things that you were really excited about was the addition of Cladarius Tony. Talk to me about what you've seen so far out of him and what you expect to see out of him coming up. Uh, I noticed that he's uh, like a Tyreek Hill-esque player. He's uh, he filled in for uh, McCall Hardman in the rushing area pretty well. And he had a really good catch on the sideline that I thought looked really nice. Okay, so let's talk about to his kick return uh, thing. You know, he's he's back on a, on a lot of the punt returns and that type of thing. What did you? How did you feel he did there? And where do you would you like to see some improvement in that? Uh, I feel like he did better than Sky Moore, but he usually let the punts drop, and then he would pick them up when there was a defender right there. Which I don't know if he has like a strategy to that or anything, but. It, kind of made me a little nervous when he did that. Yeah, typically anything within the 10-yard line that goes from the 10-yard line into the goal line, most teams will let that go. The Chiefs, for some reason, it doesn't matter if it was Sky Moore or, or Tony or who's been back there. A lot of those guys seem to want to pick that ball up and do something with it. And I'm okay with that when we had an offense that didn't move the ball as well as what we have currently. But I don't really like the idea of them picking it up. But one good solid hit fumbles that ball loose, and next thing you know, we get a turnover down there close to the goal line. Probably not the best thing in the world uh, to happen. Coming up, though, this week, I am assuming that Juju Smith-Schuster probably will be out with, out of his head. He, he's been in concussion protocol, and unless they happen to just release him here you know, pretty quickly, then he's probably out. McCole Hartman is a question mark right now. He's listed as questionable. So right now, that actually pushes Tony as the number one target and uh, the wide receiver side of the things. How do you feel about that, and okay. what do you think we might see differently out of Tony this week? Uh, I think that we'll probably see a lot less running from him and more of like a juju roll, uh, short to medium pass catcher focused on the catch and run. And he's a he's a great receiver after the catch, as you mentioned there just a second ago. I mean, he he's done that well in most of the places he's been. Don't know really what happened in New York. Doesn't really matter at that point. He's now a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. So, you know, whatever happens, happens there. But it appears as though he's very happy in Kansas City, and we're excited to have him. Mm-hmm. So the upcoming game versus the Chargers this week, obviously the Chargers have been hanging around, even though they've had a lot of injuries. They've been able to continue to, you know, keep their winning ways for the most part. They lost this last week to San Francisco, but a good, solid, tough team always plays the Chiefs tough. What is the biggest factor you think that's going to make the determination on whether or not the Chiefs win this game this week? Uh, I think it's going to come down to our run defense. Austin Eckler's been pretty good the past few weeks. 
And I think it just comes down to whether we can make our tackles. Which hopefully we will. Uh, we played fairly good defense this week. One thing the Chiefs have been able to do here recently, something that I've really enjoyed watching, is they've been able to make teams one-dimensional. And not just one-dimensional in the sense that they they keep a person or a team with what they can do, but almost push them to where the, the weaker side of what they can do. So let's go back to the Titans game. The Titans are known for running the ball. Derrick Henry smashing it down your throat and running it straight up the middle. The Chiefs were able to get a lead uh, and end up pushing the, the Titans to have to throw the ball. And it ended up, you know, being really difficult for them to do that. They also turned around and did the same thing to the Jaguars. And I feel like the Jaguars running game is a lot better than their passing game. Short passes worked out. Okay for Jacksonville, but once you get past about 20, 25 yards, their percentage of completion drops dramatically, and the Chiefs really recognize that they played the defense well. This week with Eckler, Eckler's obviously a very good runner, but you still have Justin Herbert back there. So even if we make them one-dimensional and if they get some of their injured players back, there's talk that the possibility of Mike Williams could be back, and then on top of that, maybe possibly Keenan Allen. The Chiefs have done fairly well in the last couple of weeks against the pass, but they have forced teams to have to pass. How do you feel about the Chiefs' ability to be able to defend if we're able to push it to where Herbert would have to throw the ball? How do you feel about our ability to stop that? Um, I think that we, the earlier in the season when we played the Chargers week two, it was kind of like the Mike Williams show, and he was doing really good against us. And the only reason we really won that game was off the Jim Watson 99-yard pick six. But I think the Chiefs coverage has been doing better. We got Trent McDuffie back, who has looked pretty good so far this season. Jalen Watson has become better at coverage. And... I think overall that we, we've just been a lot better at coverage in the final in the like the last stretch of this game of these games. I'd have to agree with you. I think their defense has really stepped up, especially secondary. Um, a lot of young players playing, which is really good news for the Chiefs. The more they play, the more experience they get, the better off they are and preparing for later on in the season when you know we have an opportunity in the playoffs. We need a big play out of them. They've been down that road before, something happens. Uh, and we're able to make those plays, so I'm excited to see what we're able to do. Once again, if you're just joining us, uh, I got Mason on the line. He's here during our Heritage House Realty segment. Uh, Mason, let's say that you had a crystal ball, and one of the areas that the Chiefs have struggled in is the run game. You can go out at any point, and you can pick any starting running back off of any team. What running back would you pick to put on the Chiefs, and why? Um, I would pick, um, Christian McCaffrey, because I feel like that's what Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, when we drafted him, that's what we envisioned him to be a good runner, good pass catcher. He hasn't really been able to stay healthy, might be part of it. But I think when we drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, we were trying to go for like a Christian McCaffrey-esque player who could run and catch. And 
Yeah. Okay. And and I, to be honest with you, if I had my selection, I'd pick Jonathan Taylor. Uh, The reason why I would pick Jonathan Taylor is because I feel like he has got really good vision when he gets to running. He finds the hole. He goes right through it. He doesn't play around and wait for a hole to open up. He kind of reminds me of an older chief, a Priest Holmes type. And uh, I really liked Priest Holmes. And I thought his vision really helped him out when he ended up getting the uh, touchdown record and the yardage record uh, during the year that he was uh, competing with Marshall Falk uh, years ago. So I probably would pick him. Let's go defensive side of the ball. You get your pick of the litter of any defensive guy that you want to put on the Kansas City Chiefs. Who are you picking to put on our team? Uh. I know I'm throwing some tough questions at you, but yeah. you, know. <laughs> uh, you, you have anybody in mind that you think would help the Chiefs at this point? The first person that came to mind was Ryan Burns because we tried trading for him this uh, during the trade deadline, and we kind of need some and uh, some edge rusher help. Yeah, but, I, I would probably agree with you there. Um, you know, and and that would be a good selection. I think if the Chiefs could grab somebody and put them on there, I'm not saying that we need to do that. Just you know, kind of wishful thinking, you know, type thing. Um, right now, the Chiefs sit atop of the AFC conference, not just the AFC West, but the whole conference as a whole. We are currently the number one seed. If the season ended today, the Chiefs would be the number one seed. A crazy thing that's happened, and it's only I've only seen this a couple times in the in the times I've been watching football for well over 40 years, is that the Bills were the number one seed until they lost on Sunday. And all of a sudden, with the loss that the Bills had, they actually dropped to the number six seed. So you tell me, do the Chiefs can are the Chiefs able to hold on to this number one seed from now throughout the playoffs, or do you see another team that you think may overtake the Chiefs at some point? The only team that I think would overtake the Chiefs is the Dolphins, but I also feel that the Chiefs' biggest opponent for the rest of the year is going to be Seattle. And they've been struggling the past few weeks, especially when they played Tampa Bay. Uh, yeah, and I would say that's probably the toughest team we'll play. A team that's kind of been our kryptonite lately that we play in a couple of weeks, though, is the Cincinnati Bengals. And the Bengals are starting to kind of come on. I don't know where Jamar Chase is currently, if he's if he's getting healthy, if he's going to be back or or what. But I know they're starting to play a lot better. Um, that would be a team that would concern me that might knock us off. But I, I'd agree with you. The Dolphins actually, and I've said this last year about the Bengals, and I even predicted it at the early part of this year that the Bengals would struggle. The reason why the Dolphins are doing so well this year is because they're actually playing the lower side of the schedule, meaning that if you have a uh, lower, if you ended up less than the one or two spot on your division, the following year you play the lower side of the four teams that are typically in the division. So they're playing some of the teams that might not quite be as good. Now they did come out and they did beat the bills, but they're going to have to go back and play the bills again because the bills are in their division and they will actually have to play them in Buffalo. And it's later in the season when it's going to be cold. So the dolphins right now, they're, they're that high flying act that we saw out of Kansas city a couple years ago where they're throwing the ball and guys are catching and running 
defensively, I think if teams get smart, what they'll probably do is they'll start playing up and playing more uh, press coverage on Waddle and Hill and starting to force Tua to send it further down the field. And if they're able to do that, I think, and leave a safety back, when he throws that ball and he throws it short, there, there'll be a lot more opportunities to pick that ball off. And it would force the Dolphins to either run the ball more or force Tua into a, a non-comfortable situation and trying to throw the ball down the field. How do you feel about the Chiefs' ability if we were to match up with the Dolphins? What do you think our biggest obstacle would be? Um, I feel like our biggest obstacle would be the Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle receiving duo just because Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are one of or a few of the fastest wide receivers in the NFL. And I don't I don't know if our game would be able to fit with that because we like to do see if Spagnola likes to dial up a lot of blitzes during the games for and a lot of the teams we've been playing haven't had the two wide receivers like when we played the 49ers I think they had the best receiver duo when we played them with Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel but I think that and there could be an argument for this week when we play the Chargers if Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are healthy but I just feel like our scheme wouldn't be able to compete with the speed of two top tier wide receivers. So as, as flashy and exciting as their offense is take the chiefs out of the equation. And you tell me what other team that you think out there is the closest to the dolphins. In the AFC, in the AFC, who, who is as explosive as the dolphins are. Um, Probably the Bengals when Jamar Chase is healthy. So you think they have a one-two punch as good as the Dolphins? Not as good, but the Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd or T. Higgins is pretty good still, too. And I would say you're right. The only problem with the Bengals is the Bengals' offensive line is so horrible that it's, you know, they, they, they either are feast or famine. Either they get the ball down the field or he's getting sacked all the time. For me, I would have probably said the Bills uh, because the Bills, you know, have several really decent wide receivers. Their, their offense is explosive. They have a good defense. They're really matched up almost identical to the Dolphins in, in a lot of ways. And I guess my point and hope was that you were going to pick the Bills because then I could turn around and say the Bills played a really good game against Kansas City, zero turnovers. They beat us by four points in Arrowhead Stadium. Everybody talks about how great that Josh Allen was during that game. Look at his stats. He did so well. But what they don't talk about is that it was actually one of the Chiefs' worst games. We had you know, a couple picks by Mahomes during that game. And Mahomes' numbers were almost identical to Josh Allen's, and they were saying Mahomes played a bad game. So if, let's say, that the Dolphins are like the Bills and the Chiefs play them, I think the Chiefs come out just like they would if they played the Bills again, as long as they don't get any any silly turnovers like we did when we played the Bills the first time around. I think the Chiefs would have wiped the floor with the Bills if they wouldn't have because you're talking about two drives that were going down 
field and they were on the Bills' side when those mistakes happened. You had 14 points onto the Chiefs, and and that's not including the missed field goal and the missed extra point that they had. So that would have added 18 points onto where the Chiefs were, which means we would have beat them by two touchdowns. And you're talking about a really good defense, especially with the addition of Von Miller. I don't feel like the Dolphins' defense are probably as good as that. I think the Dolphins' defense looks that good because their offense has been able to score enough points to get a lead, and they're able to pin their ear back, ears back and go after the other team's uh, offense. And a lot of the other teams aren't as powerful as the Dolphins or the Bills uh, or the Chiefs in, in this matter. But uh, anyways, uh, you know, that was kind of my thought process and my thinking there. So, Mason, uh, one final thing I guess I'll ask of you just so that listeners can maybe get to know you just a little bit more. Tell me who your favorite player currently is on the Kansas City Chiefs and why. Um, I would probably say Nick Bolton because he went to Mizzou and he, <clears throat> he was – wasn't rated that good coming out of high school and he didn't get a lot of college offers. And then when he did get one, I think it was Washington state. They withdrew it from him. So they had to settle with Mizzou and he came in as a second round pick and kind of took over our defense. And I think he led the chiefs and tackles in his rookie year. And then he also led the NFL in tackles for loss last year, too. That's definitely a good pick. I, I like the fact that you like, especially a defensive guy. Most people generally will pick an offensive guy. So uh, it's pretty impressive that you picked a defensive guy, especially a guy of that caliber. Um, right now, we've got to be really excited about our defense, especially our linebacking core. I mean, you're talking about Willie Gay. You're talking about Nick Bolton. You're talking about Chanel. I mean, you're talking about a bunch of young guys who are playing really well and are some of the better linebackers in, in all of football, not just the AFC at this point. So, you know, pretty exciting. I'm glad you you selected a guy like that. That's a really admirable thing for you. Uh, well, you know, we're out of time here. I just wanted to thank you, first of all, Mason, for coming on on, on the Her- uh, Heritage House Realty uh, segment. Thanks for coming in and talking to us this week. Hopefully we'll be able to get you back. Uh, but again, you know, always interested in the knowledge that you have and your ability to articulate that to the fans. Uh, thanks for having me. Perfect. Well, uh, we'll try to get another Heritage Realty uh, segment coming up in the next couple of weeks. We'll get Mason back on. If you have any specific questions for Mason or if you want to know more about him, you can contact us by Twitter at Warchant Kingdom or you can drop us an email at warchantkingdom at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to the War Chant Kingdom. Each and every week during this season, we try to talk about the games that have just passed and the upcoming games. We try to talk about things that could have happened or should have happened or things that we expect to happen in the upcoming games. But did you know that the War Chant Kingdom is not just a podcast? That's right. You can find us on Facebook groups under War Chant Kingdom. In that Facebook group, you will see several postings from the War Chant Kingdom podcast, but you'll also find several goodies there for you to purchase. That's right, the War Chant Kingdom also has items available for purchase. Everything from shirts to jerseys, shoes 
to hats. The War Chant Kingdom's providing it for you. Go to your next Chiefs game in style and find that one-of-a-kind hat, jersey, shoes, coats, whatever it is you're looking for. The War Chant Kingdom. Find us on Facebook under the Facebook group section at War Chant Kingdom.